Welcome to the 53rd episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and my year two partner in crime, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. It's year two, baby. How are you, man? I'm okay. I'm okay. Hmm. Just okay. Interesting. Just okay. Hmm. Just okay. I've uh, I've been playing some Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Oh, how are you liking that ray tracing goodness? Ray tracing. Ray tracing is the least uh, least of what I notice in that game, actually. Uh, ray tracing, of course, if you're not familiar with video games, is a uh, technique in which light reflects off objects more realistically. But I, uh, yeah, I didn't notice any of the ray tracing, <laughs> to be honest. Really? I, uh, I do think that the, yeah, compared to other games like Spider-Man Miles Morales, also a PlayStation 5 game, I don't really notice it as much. Like Miles That's- Morales is way more noticeable. Oh, I, I, that's a hard disagree from me, man. But, uh, oh, wow. Again, we can agree, we can agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's very animated. So the, I don't notice lighting effects as much in terms of reflections as, as much. But maybe I haven't played far enough in. The thing I noticed the most, and this is why I wanted to bring this up, is actually the way that the rifts work and the way you get pulled toward the rifts. There's nothing more satisfying so far in my play sessions than being able to pull yourself through the rifts and that fast loading of the solid state drive on the playstation 5 whoa whoa that's the most satisfying thing so far i love it mm-hmm. that and the dash move the dash move is great yeah it looks so cool that animation's freaking awesome um i agree with you I-, I love that game it's really great um i got the platinum trophy on it i'm sure you'll get it as well it's super easy you, you like hunting those trophies as well man but uh yeah i don't know i i, I really noticed the ray tracing stuff you are i assume playing on performance ray tracing mode i am yeah it's weird like even for you to hear you mention ray tracing because i just i know ray tracing typically is also not that noticeable anyways it's a subtle it's a subtle improvement to reflections from our previous generation for playstation 4 so i'm not really that yeah i just don't Hmm. i don't uh, don't notice it so much yet like i notice some reflections but it's just not the highlight of what it's capable of i think that the solid state drive and the haptic feedback and the controller and uh, that dash move, it's brilliantly animated. And so, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm noticing so far. But yeah, well, I digress. I mean, this isn't a this isn't a video game podcast, although they could make a pretty cool movie out of Fratch and Clank. They have, have made one in the past or two, um, although I don't think they did very well overall. But. No, I, th- I think that they made like one that was directly tied to the remake of the original game. Uh, yeah, that came 2016. About, yeah, exactly, uh, which I don't think was reviewed too well. And then they had like not another movie. I think we brought it up, but it was like a Crave TV original. And it was like a 20 minute sort of like short film um, that has no connection to the larger universe, which is odd. Yeah, that was an odd one. That was an odd one. Yeah. But there we go. We brought up movies. It wasn't all for nothing. Indeed. We connected it. We did it. Mm-hmm. We did it. Yes. Also, yeah. speaking of movies, yeah. Did you uh, did you hear about the the change of uh, speaking of space as well? The change of the Slave One ch- ship to just Boba Fett's ship. Yeah, yeah. Did I think that that news. I did hear that news. I uh, I think it's pretty stupid. Personally, I don't understand how slave is a bad word, and I think it's kind of pointless to change it at this point. 
But whatever, it's not my like. I, like at the end of the day, who cares? I think it's a little yeah, bit dumb, I, but I don't really care. The first change for it, I think, what happened was they decided in the Lego set for the Slave One ship, they decided to call it Boba Fett ship for the Lego set. It's for mm-hmm. children. Slave, I assume it was called Slave One in terms of Boba Fett's a bounty hunter, obviously in the Star Wars universe. I assume that they changed the name because it was a slave ship, and he, Boba Fett was really a villain, and so maybe. Boba Fett had been a slaver prior to being a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. It would actually potentially make sense for Boba Fett to change the name if he was really becoming more of an honorable fellow. Fellow, it's been like many years, mm-hmm. so it, it it's not crazy that he would have maybe chose to change change it. But there's no way he's going to change his ship name to Boba Fett's ship. That's just insane. You know? What yeah, I mean? yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean. I think it's I think it's just a silly move and a very pointless move. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to add to the outrage machine. I just, like, I think it's dumb, but I, I just don't care enough. And I'm sure online people are doing like, oh my God, Disney's ruining everything. Cancel Kathleen Kennedy. You know, you know, everything's her fault. Like, you mean every day? Yeah, every single day. And um, every forum for Star Wars? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, a. I definitely think it's a silly move. I don't really see the point in it. Like, I, I just don't really see how the name Slave is controversial in any way. Um, but again, at the end of the day, it's up to them. It's not my product. I'm still going to call it Slave 1. Like, I still know the well, name of it. So Yeah, they didn't change it in Battlefront. I'm pretty sure it was called that in Battlefront. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. He's, a, he's an anti-hero. It was called that in, um, it was called that in uh, The Mandalorian as well. Did they call it that at any point? I don't know. They must have. You sound sure, but now you sound unsure. Yeah. Now that well, I've- why are you questioning me, man? They must have. Because I don't it. recall. Oh. I don't recall at any point it being called Slave One. You might be right. You might be right. Because it, it's the name of the ship. Like there's no. It's also a type of ship, and they they're likely they're more likely to call it the type of ship. I think they're, like the, they'll say, "Oh, uh, I, I see a uh, over the horizon. There's a whatever type of ship coming mm-hmm. over the over the horizon or whatever hitting the atmosphere." And I think that that's more likely. They're not going to call it Slave One because they. I don't know. It's been kind of dormant for a while. I think. Um, but anyway, I, I just think that I think again, sla- nobody, no hero in any story has had slaves, and that I think is the concept. If you're trying to make this guy look like a hero, and ultimately, Adrian, it's not what heroes do. It's true, so, indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, another interesting like little thing that came out. It's kind of I guess you you haven't watched either of the uh, Fantastic Beasts movies. However, you are aware that uh, Johnny Depp has been. Um, recast uh like his role as grindelwald has been recast by uh, you know our favorite um man mads mckelson mickelson mickelson you know we we know how to pronounce his name properly he's french he's french now mickelson (laughs) um yeah did you uh see anything about him talking about uh how he wished that he could have um spoken to like johnny depp prior to him being recast i did briefly see this i did briefly not uh, not too much detail on it though. It would I, I would have thought that he would have instantly tried to get into contact with him, but I guess Johnny Depp is pretty busy with his lawsuit and all that, so I'm not sure that yeah he maybe you know helped out just voluntarily. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I'll read a little tidbit from like EW, like Entertainment Weekly, the website, uh, kind of like what Mads Mikkelsen said. Um, so I quote. I mean, obviously, they were going to do the film, and obviously he was not involved anymore, McKelson said of Depp in the Sunday Times. But I didn't have a dog in that fight, and I don't know what happened in his private life, and I don't know if it was fair him losing the job. 
but I just knew that the show was going on and I would have loved to have talked to him about it if I had the chance, but I just don't know him in that sense. But they called me and they were obviously in a hurry and I love the script. So I said, yes. And I know it was controversial for many people, but that's just the way it plays out once in a while. He continued. I don't know. I, I kind of like, uh, like what he says. It just seems very respectful. He, he goes on a bit, um, but it's just a very respectful way of him, you know, taking the mantle from Johnny Depp, you know, kind of clarifying is like, you know, he, he might be guilty. He might not be. Um, but I don't know. I, I just thought that was a, a little interesting thing. Mads just keeps on seeming like such a, such a good dude. I don't know. I really like him. I think he's a phenomenal actor. And, and the more I see of him, the happier I am. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he seems like a humble sort of fella. You know, mm-hmm. like he doesn't seem like he's uh, too bombastic or pretentious. He just seems like, a you know, he, he does his work. He, uh, you know, keeps his head down, does his work admirably and, and well. And I think that he does a great job in every role that he's in. Yeah. Well, at least the roles I've seen him in anyway. And uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see him take the mantle from Johnny Depp. Yeah. I, I should watch these movies, I guess. I just they're so poorly rated on a you know a scale of Rotten Tomatoes. The and first one's like not. Potter. Like I think the first one's uh, like seventy something, if I recall correctly. It's not amazing, but the first one's not bad by any means. I haven't watched Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Gay Wizard Hitler yet, which is the second one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I know that one was rated very poorly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, seventy four percent for the the first one. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. But I guess, like, I never got around to it initially, and so when the second one came out, and then it was rated poorly. That's kind of where it, I, I don't know. It's, my, my interest kind of waned on it. I should watch it. I should watch it. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. I've read all the books. I uh, even bought the little tiny little book, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It was like a little accessory <gasps> type Harry Potter fan book um, at the time, and so I don't know. I should probably should probably jump in at some point. I just, uh, I don't know, maybe wait for the third one to be good and then I'll do it, but we'll see. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm going to do. I'm just going to wait until the third one's coming out and then I'll watch the second one. I'll probably just rewatch the first one and then watch the second one immediately. Maybe we can do a little thing like we did for uh, John Wick where we watched the first one and then the second one and then went to watch the third one. Maybe we could do that together, me and you. Not talking, of course. Because we don't talk outside this podcast, but I'm just saying. Of course, don't be ridiculous. Of course, we would never do that. Of course. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Cool. Indeed. Cool. Cool indeed. Speaking of uh, series, hmm. did you, uh, did you, I don't know if you heard this before. I think you must have, but Quentin Tarantino isn't making more than 10 films. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. I was aware of that. I don't know why I said that like that, but yeah, I was aware of that. Yeah. He wrote a novel. I don't know if you saw that part as well. There's like a, he wrote a novel basically that's a, a novelization of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the his latest movie, which was number nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did hear yeah, about he that. Released- it's a it's like a prequel, right? Um, if I recall correctly, um, revolving no. Brad Pitt's character. No, it's not a prequel. It's a novelization of the movie. Oh, really? Just like a straight novelization? Is he not making a novel then that is a prequel to Brad Pitt's character in that movie? I, I swear to God, I read that. I do not recall that at mm-hmm. all. I do know that he's a fan of novelizations. Quentin Tarantino is a huge film fan in general. So he just watches a tremendous number of films and he was on Jimmy Kimmel live recently. Um, and he, he they were doing like a quiz where Jimmy Kimmel would read the back of VHS boxes of random movies, any movie that Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel's team had picked out. And he was basically blindfolded and had to guess based on the description, what movie it was, but there were movies from like 
like 70s and 80s and, and, and 90s. So it, it was pretty cool that he was able to guess any of them, which was cool. But he's again, he's just a huge fan, a film fan. And he he actually li- liked to read as a kid novelizations of movies that had come out, even though it seems kind of redundant. But I remember this as well. Like I think I own or I had like on my shelf a Star Wars novel for Empire Strikes Back. I'm pretty certain that I had that. But I had questioned at the time, why would I read this? Because <laughs> I've just seen the movie. And it's not like the, the book came first. And I think I was confused with that because of Harry Potter and, and all these movies that were being made based on books. To make a book based on a movie seemed a little silly. Mm. But, but this is cool. He, he made a novel basically based on the, on the movie he made. And he wrote it himself, which is not usually the case. The director doesn't usually write the novelization. Uh, and then he expanded upon things like, for instance, the fate of Brad Pitt's uh, character's wife, which was part of that novel which is he basically expanded on it to answer certain questions that weren't necessarily answered in the movie. Mm. So it's neat. It's neat. The reason I brought this up, he is still focused on doing the 10 movie thing and he's not going to go further than 10 movies. He claims that he's at a high in his career and there's no reason to continue after 10 movies. He's going to retire and he's, he stated this like years ago uh, and now he's restating the fact that that's going to be the case. That this is this is it. He's making ten movies. That's his catalog. That's it. Which I just think is interesting. Do you believe that? I actually kind of do now because he said it again on Bill Maher. Like he was on Bill Maher again promoting his novelization of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he said, reiterated, "I am only making ten movies." Hmm. Uh, It would be cool if okay, let's say he's only making ten movies. It would be cool if he like he's retired from making films, but then did something else. Like imagine he made like he wrote a video game. That, like, how cool would that be? That would be pretty sick. I know. I was kind of thinking, like, he might not be, he might be done because he's at the height of his career in film, but could he do something different that's very similar? He's an incredible writer of these, the dialogue in these movies. It's just unreal. Mm-hmm. So it's unique and there's nothing quite like it. I think there's things that are uh, Tarantino-esque, but, you know, it's not, vi- it's not really vice versa. You, you, you I mean, that's not necessarily true. You can say that his movies are, are maybe inspired by something else. But I fe- feel like a lot of people say something like a, a specific movie with sharp dialogue and a crazy, explosive, violent mm-hmm. scene uh, near the middle or the end is like very Tarantino-esque. As an yeah, example. like um, The Bad Times at the El Royale. That, that I oh, felt was like very Tarantino-esque. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. I like that movie. It's interesting. That movie's good, but it's something about it it feels like it fell short in some aspects i definitely agree with you i think the movie's awesome like i really really enjoyed it but it it was missing some sort of special sauce that would make it an exceptional movie and i honestly don't know what the hell that was maybe like i think the dialogue was very well written it was super well acted but yeah i I definitely agree with you It, it did feel like it was missing just a little thing to bring it over the edge I think some of the characters felt under underdeveloped. That would be the thing that I would think mm. would be the only thing I think that if I recall at the time, I've seen, I think it was 2018 that movie came out. So I, I'm not, I'm a little fuzzy on all the details, but I think that at the time that was what I thought. Yeah. But the characters were maybe a little bit, could have been more developed in the way that, for instance, Tarantino develops his characters. And that would have been maybe pushed it over the edge to be a fantastic movie. But anyway, mm. cool, man. Super cool. Let's uh, let's go into some show corrections from last week and perhaps beyond. Um, my correction that I've written down here is uh, we talked about last week the Shang Chi trailer, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Shang Chi trailer. Shang Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings, is coming out in September of this year, which is super exciting. We watched the second trailer last week, and 
at the end of the second trailer, I mean, I don't know if you really spoiled the movie from this, although maybe they did. And you argued that they shouldn't have shown this at the end of the second trailer. But the Wong is shown to be fighting Abomination. So from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, those two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you thought that was a little ridiculous that they would show that um, at the end of the trailer because you thought, why not wait? Why not leave it for a surprise? But interestingly, I just wanted to make it this – this is less of a correction and more of a clarification. To clarify, Kevin Feige, like the, the mastermind behind pulling all the threads of the Marvel Cinematic Universe together – the executive producer of all these movies. He claimed that that is Wong and Abomination. That is exactly what we saw in the trailer, which again, I almost find weird. Like why confirm that aspect? It's a little weird. Like we didn't know about that beforehand. Like I, I didn't know about it. There was no leak that I saw that claimed that Wong and Abomination was in this movie. So it's a, it's a little weird. I agree. Would confirm it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like at this point, like him confirming it, I feel like the trailer already confirmed it. Like we just we know. Like I guess you yeah. could do some sort of crazy thing where it's like ah, psych. It's not those characters, and it's actually two separate characters. But it's unlikely. Like I I don't think they would do that for a movie like this. Um, yeah. I mean, again, they did it for uh, Infinity War to a certain extent, but again, that's it's a very different movie. Like there there's some crazy big surprises in in that, and I feel like they really missed an opportunity to have a big pop in the theater to be like, Whoa, like no way Wong and abomination showed up. Um, and I'm yeah. quite disappointed in that personally. Yeah. It's odd. It's, it's just an odd move. It's all, I think it's more odd if there's not another surprise or there aren't any other surprises. And I have a weird feeling that this particular movie is not going to be full of surprises. Yeah. It's just the, the nature of the way they showed the trailer. We talked about this last week. It feels like a Marvel cinematic Marvel formula movie and then it's following very similar beats of all the origin stories that have kind of come before it. So it is it is a little weird the more I thought about it and uh, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, like, I agree. You brought up Thor Ragnarok and you thought that it was kind of similar. I don't think it is because I think I'm fairly certain the more I thought about it, the Hulk was completely leaked. I'm pretty sure it was Mark Ruffalo himself. He leaked that plot point. I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that that was mm. a, a thing that, that everyone knew before Everyone knew Mark Ruffalo was going to be in that movie, and Mark Ruffalo obviously plays Bruce Banner, who was the Hulk. So it, it was kind of obvious that that movie was ha- that move was happening. So to show that in the trailer, Fourth or Ragnarok wasn't a big surprise. But the rest of that movie is honestly a surprise. It like takes takes the it's not the Marvel formula. It, it again very much goes in a different direction. But this is because this is a Marvel formula type movie, and they've leaked this kind of thing themselves in the trailer. It's even more odd yeah. to me. But yeah, anyways, yeah, I agree. I actually do have a another cor- correction too. Ooh, what's that? So we've been pronouncing Shang Chi, Shang Chi. Did you know, Simon? It is actually pronounced Shang Chi. Oh, interesting. Yes. How um, did you get this correction? So um, our uh, good friend actually, Kenneth Stadelbauer, messaged me on Facebook uh, just because I have him there, and uh, he he mentioned to us, uh, sorry, to me, saying that. Um, hey, we've been pronouncing it wrong all along. It's actually pronounced Shang-Chi. I was like, oh, really? Like, that's that's super weird. And it's like, yeah, in China, they all call it there. And even in interviews, Simu Liu and uh, Kevin Feige have been pronouncing it Shang-Chi in all the interviews whenever they bring it up. So, uh, yeah, it's Shang-Chi. We've been, we've been saying it wrong all along. And uh, it. yeah, from here on out, uh, I think we'll go for it. To be fair, I think literally every English speaking person that isn't in the loop <laughs> was definitely calling it Shang-Chi just because, you know, that's how it 
That's how it's spelt. And that's how we would pronounce it here, here in, in Eng- English uh, land, English lands. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it is pronounced Shang-Chi. So let's try moving forward to pronounce it correctly. This is part of the show corrections, part of the part of our show. And the, the only reason we do show corrections is because we want to be as accurate as possible. So, mm-hmm. yes. And if we could be trendsetters in the real world when someone's talking about Shang-Chi and being excited for watching it, if they say Shang-Chi, I'll be like, oh, no, actually. I, well, I won't, usually I don't correct anyone like that, but I, I, would, I would just say it, repeat it back. Oh, yeah, I am excited for Shang-Chi. This isn't casual conversation. Yeah. Like the uh, iPhone – the iPhone 10 versus the iPhone X. Yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> it's it's subtle though. It's subtle. You just gotta say you just you say it correctly whenever you can, and if they say it wrong, it doesn't really matter. I don't There's know. No point if, being pretentious about it. Yeah, like I don't know if that's worse. Like you know, being like kind of it, it almost seems a little bit passive aggressive. Like actually, it's pronounced this way, but you're not saying it. You're just doing it. Um, I as opposed I to being like that. yeah, like as opposed to just being like oh by the way, it's actually pronounced this. Like I'm not gonna say it to like a. Uh, like a random person, like, oh, yeah, my iPhone X. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll, I'll just be like, yeah, the iPhone 10 is pretty great. But like for things like this, and someone says Shang-Chi, I'm not just going to go ahead and start pronouncing the Chong in front of them. And then they're like, what the fuck? Like, why are you pronouncing it that way? Well, actually, that's how it's pronounced. Whoa, whoa. I would much so, rather. Okay, you, you're saying you just, you just be like, you'd sheep it out and you'd just say Shang-Chi after. If you have to use the name, you'd say it No, wrong. no. I'm saying that I would just. Oh. I would correct them. I'd be like, it's actually like Shang-Chi, believe it or not. I'm like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah I don't do that. I say, I'm not going to correct somebody about the iPhone X. It's not, not worth it. Mm-hmm. It's iPhone 10. It's always been the iPhone 10. I'm just not going to correct you. It's, it's, it's almost a waste of time. For stuff like that, yeah, I don't care about. But for, for this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. Cool. Excellent. Cool. All right. Speaking of Ken. Yeah. Let's reach into the mailbag for a moment here, shall we? We ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And makeup guru Kenneth Stadelbauer wrote into us once again and he said, Peeps, first, happy anniversary!" Oh my God, thank you. Not only had I not heard about Netflix's Sexy Beasts, I haven't even heard about the earlier BBC version from 2014. The concept of getting people to date based on personality and not looks isn't new, as evidenced by the many incarnations of the dating game. This is definitely a new spin. I should point out that this has nothing to do with the furry community. The animal creature makeups are simply used as a fun way of disguising the appearance of the contestants. I'll definitely give this a watch, not because I find the mystery dating concept entertaining. I'm after the interesting parts. Who is applying the makeup? Are they custom casts? Are they using a supplier like RBFX? Mm. Thanks for a year of entertainment. Let's keep this ball rolling. This ship sailing. This metaphor. Metaphoring. Signed, Kenneth. And a quote here, of course, as usual. Personality is more important than beauty, but imagination is more important than the both of them. A quote by Lorette Taylor. Oh, classic Lorette Taylor. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, I had no idea this is like a like a like a American version of the BBC show from 2014. I, I never heard of that, so that's a cool little tidbit. Thanks, Ken, for teaching us. And I I know that this show has nothing to do with the furry community. Yeah, it's not built but, by the furry community. Uh, yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, we knew that. But the furry community is going to take this show in. That that's what we yeah that's what I think what we were. Mm-hmm claiming or at least mm-hmm. I, you specifically claimed i didn't really make that yeah. comment but, <laughs> but but yeah no i i think yeah we're not claiming that this is run by 
a secret cabal of furries, you know? I mean, it's possible. Crazier <laughs> things have happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It, it, that, it's not impossible that there's not like a secret cabal of furries who work for the variety, like a variety of uh, Netflix streaming, like you know, Netflix type streaming services like Netflix. This is obviously airing on Netflix and yeah. uh, they work together <laughs> to try to bring shows like this to light. I, I don't think that's the case, but I mean, if you look at the trailer, I can see why you made that comment, Adrian. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I can always rely on you to understand me. Lorette Taylor, by the way, is an American film star. I, di- I didn't know about this, but she's... Um, she was born in 1884, so she was in silent films back in the day, and then they became they became talkies. I think as she she was a star, so that's that's kind of a cool cool quote there for some context. Because I don't think you knew who Laura Taylor is based on your your comment. I didn't know either, and I just looked it up. Oh so no, dude, that. I definitely know. That's why I said that was classic Lorette Taylor. I knew it. That's why I said that. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. She's a she's an old film star. I don't know if you've ever heard. Silent, silent films from back in the 1800s. Oh, incredible. So you did know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so I, I mentioned that Kenneth is a big makeup fan. He does makeup. We talked about this before. He does a pretty bang-up job. There's some pretty cool stuff on his uh, social media. that uh, He does a, does a great job. I, I, I like mm-hmm. his uh, makeup stylings, and he's a huge fan of it. And so when, I feel like if there's any question about makeup, in a, in a TV show, like The Walking Dead is an example, which uses a lot of makeup. Or if you're, you know, you're watching The Darkest Hour, I think we throw the questions to Ken. That's a, that's a given. Yeah, definitely. Um, real quick, The Walking Dead season 10, finally coming on Netflix after like oh. like two years or however long it's been. I'm actually when? super excited. Uh, middle of July. I want to say July 9th, actually. So qu- quite soon, within the next week or so, I oh, believe. That's great. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Honestly, like I, I miss The Walking Dead. I miss The Walking Dead. I, I I think season nine actually was quite quite great. And, you know, it has its ups and downs, but um, yeah, it ended on yeah. a bang if I if I recall correctly. I don't know now. Did I watch season nine? I think so. It ended in with like a pretty big episode. Yeah, it did. It was pretty nuts. It's yeah. uh, I'm excited for it though. It's um, you know, they 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 continue like any show. It'll have some missteps here and there, especially when you're going on this long. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited to jump back in that, uh, the walking dead, the world beyond show, which is like a spinoff, which is supposed to be like a two season, like mini series. Um, the first season's going on Amazon prime here in Canada in the next week or so. So, uh, I know it was rated very poorly, but that is supposed to directly tie in to the Rick Grimes movie that they're going to make. Or movies. Are they making that still? Are they still making that though? I don't know, uh, but yeah. <laughs> but I may as well be uh, like ingrained in that universe and just know what happens. Unless it's really bad, in which case I will stop watching it. It's a bunch of kid actors. That's my biggest worry. You know me. I don't love kid actors. It's very rare. When I say a kid actor is great, that means a lot coming from me because I think all kid actors regularly suck. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm. I'll give it a try. At the very least, I'll watch like an episode or two and see where it takes me. Yeah, I mean, it's hit and miss with kid actors because they're so young and they're not trained necessarily mm. that much because they haven't been even alive that long. So, yeah, it's a fair, fair statement. They're not all bad, though. There's some good ones. Yeah, I know. I, I talked about Sweet Tooth um, back like a few episodes ago, which I finished, by the way. Awesome series. Amazing. Um, but, yeah, the little kid in that show, he's awesome. Like He's, he's a genuinely good actor, um, and I'm excited to see him. In more things. 
Yeah, speaking of things you've been watching, so you finished Sweet Tooth. What else have you been watching this week? Um, I watched quite a few things. So last week I made a uh, I made a claim that I was I was gonna watch at the very least one of two movies, and that was Fear Street Part One, 1994, which is a Netflix movie, um, and the Tomorrow War, which is an Amazon Prime original movie. Um, so yeah, I watched both of those. Uh, I will, I guess, start with. Fear Street. Okay. It's really good. Like Ooh. genuinely really good. I like absolutely love this movie. It is it's a it's a horror movie. So Netflix is doing a really cool thing. They're going to be releasing uh three Fear Street movies separated by a week. The first one uh taking place in 1994. The second one I think is taking place in like uh 7 sorry 1970 something. Um, and then the, I think the last one takes place in like the late 1800s. I'm, I'm just pulling this out of my ass, by the way. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, it's based on the books by, um, sorry, uh, R.L. Stein, who also made mm-hmm. Goosebumps, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And um, oh, sorry. So the, the third one's actually in 1666. My apologies. The second one's going to be in uh, 1978. And then 16. this first. Oh. Yeah, 16. So it's going way back, way back. Uh, but this first one takes place in 1994, the year I was born. And um, it's a very fun R-rated horror movie. It's very reminiscent to like those early, uh, like, you know, early to mid 90s, like slasher movies, um, you know, kind of like Scream and 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 like Jason, um, Friday the 13th movies and like the Nightmare on Elm Street movies to a certain extent. Uh, however, it doesn't take itself too seriously it definitely does take itself seriously but there's enough levity spread out and sprinkled throughout the movie that makes it fun um and i really enjoyed this i'm very excited to see where they're going to continue the story which is kind of cool because they're going back in time and in the movie they reference all these crazy events that happened in the past uh, past most notably uh they talk about uh you know stuff that goes down at a campground in 1978 which is again what the next movie um is going to be about releasing on friday so i'm, I'm gonna make a commitment right now i'm watching fear street part two next week um yeah it's really good it's very well like acted there's a great you know cast of characters they're all you know they're probably in like their early 20s playing like high school uh kids the creepy kid from woman the woman in the window if you remember him he's actually one of the main characters in this movie it is a bang up job um so like the premise of the movie essentially again takes place 1994 and there's uh a lot of this like occult stuff that happens in this town called shady side. And, you know, people talk about this witch from back in, you know, the 1600s that was dragged to hell by these chains. And just before she was dragged to hell, she cut off her hand. So, uh, you know, she would always have a grip on, you know, shady side, this town and every, you know, few years or every like decade or so, whatever. Um, Someone always goes crazy and kills a bunch of people and it's always in shady side. And, you know, people start to blame like this witch uh, from back in the 1600s. But obviously many people just don't believe this is true. And um, in terms of this movie, this cast of characters, uh, you know, they're just doing typical like 90s stuff like, you know, mooning people from the back of the bus, blah, 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 blah. Mm, classic, but, uh, classic. 
<laughs> classic stuff. But long story short, these uh, you know kids get into like a little car accident, and uh, you know they the people on the bus they run down to check on these kids. They're fine, but when the one girl that is in the car you know crawls out, she mistakenly uh, disturbs the grave of this witch from back in the day. Her name is uh, something Fear, like the last name Fear, spelled F I E R, um, and as a result, they bring up, I guess, a bunch of these like spirits that, uh, that were actually the ones that did all the murders from back in the day. So again, from like back in 1978 and stuff. And there's, you know, a few of these like murderers that come back from the dead and start chasing these kids around shady side, um, throughout the movie. And it's, you know, just a bunch of blood and gore, uh, throughout the movie. It's very R rated, you know, it's very reminiscent of, again, there's like, you know, 90s slasher movies. There's like sex scenes, blah, 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 blood, violence. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's really fun. I really like where the story goes. The acting is very well done. And um, I really recommend it. I think it's I think it's a fun time. It's not like super scary or anything. So if you are, you know, a little bit um, more of a, 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 a type of person that's afraid of horror movies and, and doesn't like horror movies, I think there's enough in this movie to keep you still entertained and not be fully terrified and not want to watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really recommend this. I, I think it's absolutely stellar. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I'm excited to see where, where it continues. It seems like at the end of this movie, um, this isn't a spoiler, but there's like a kind of like a little trailer, like a sizzle reel, like that over like 20 seconds to show um, what's happening, what's going to happen in the next movie coming up, which is the 1978 one. And it makes me super excited. There's some familiar actors in it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm super stoked to see where this goes. I didn't watch any of the trailers and I never read any of the books. So it was a very pleasant surprise for me. Do you have any interest in watching the Fear Street movies? Uh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see yeah. where my girlfriend's at in terms of wanting to watch a horror movie. We might check it out. We'll see. We'll see how it mm-hmm. goes. I'm kind of interested next week in watching uh, No Sudden Moves. But no Sudden mm-hmm. Move, my my mistake. Um, no S. Uh, so I think that uh, that would be one that I'd probably be focused on next week. But maybe maybe Fear Street is in the cards for me. I'll, uh, I'll let you know. I'll let you know, okay, listener, man. next week. Cool, man. Um, yeah, I guess before I continue, what, what have you watched? Well, um, well, Adrian, I watched Greenland, the oh. the disaster movie starring Gerard Butler and Marina Baccarin. You talked about this long ago. You talked about this, I think, maybe when it came out on Amazon. Yeah, it was like back in February, I want to say, maybe even before then. Yeah, it was supposed to hit theaters. We, we had seen the trailer in theaters, and I think we both kind of th- thought that it w- didn't look good. I think mm-hmm. if I recall. Um, but honestly, man, what a good movie. In my opinion. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I love that you like this. Right on. <laughs> you know what it is? It's funny. Like I find disaster movies often, they go into the ridiculous a little bit too much. And I think that this movie, it dealt with a lot of pretty much this entire thing very, very realistically. And I, and I just really appreciate that. I appreciate the acting from Gerard Butler and uh, Marina Baccarin. And, and, and I find that they, their relationship is, is, it's very interesting and I found it very realistic and I, and I cried at a certain point as well. And I love seeing Scott Glenn in things, Scott Glenn. Um, well, most known for me recently being in the leftovers and uh, daredevil. And I just mm-hmm. think that he's a great actor. And so when I, when I see him and, and stuff, it just, it, yeah, he, he feel like he, he doesn't necessarily steal the scene, but he definitely, uh, he definitely lends a lot to it. And, and I, again, I, I just, the only thing was a little bit, 
I don't know, not hokey, but the music, it kind of seemed a little bit uninspired. It wasn't bad. It's just, I don't know. That's the only thing. But other than that, like there's again, the realism of it and that the, the moment to moment, like thriller aspects uh, were just really cool. Like just watching this family try to escape. And again, this is so often in a lot of movies, disaster movies, it just feels like they just go to the extremes and yeah, where they kind of over-exaggerate events and stuff like that and make everything yeah. a little bit too over the top. Right. And they almost feel like – it almost feels like in the way that Godzilla versus Kong, they kind of lose the plot a little bit in terms of they, – they're like, it doesn't really matter. The, the plot points the, – the moment-to-moment plot points don't actually matter. We can break the plot a little bit and people won't really care because it's a disaster movie and this is not something that's actually happening. But mm-hmm. like, you can still have a fantasy story that makes – sense like it can still make sense in most aspects and i and i it actually gave me anxiety watching this movie because we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're we're maybe on the tail end hopefully uh, at this point but i was kind of relating it to like the idea of what covid has brought to my life and me being stuck inside and the panic uh, of people around the world in terms of covid and i I kind of again not to that extreme at all like sorry covid is not to the extreme that greenland goes but I, I was thinking, thank goodness, COVID is not the plot of Greenland. That and and I, mm-hmm. the reason I got that feeling is because of the elements of realism and how they handle the situation. And I kind of miss Gerard Butler. I just haven't seen him in that much either. And I think he just did a great job. Yeah, I feel like Gerard Butler has just kind of lent himself to these like B tier movies that are just kind of whatever. Action movies out. usually. Yeah. You and know, this uh, one's an action movie, but it's actually more emotional than that. And that's the benefit of it is mm-hmm. it just feels more human. And the human elements are what make this a great movie. It's, yeah. it's less so the action. Like it's not about the action necessarily. There is action, but it's, it's just not about – and I figured when I was going into it, this is going to be an action movie. And it's just – I don't think it is really necessarily. It's, it's interesting. The, the other thing that struck me about Gerard Butler, and I, I wonder if it's because he was in 300, but there was something about this movie that made me think – he could play a great Kratos and and, go, and a god of war. Adaptation. Oh, dude, yeah, I know. I uh, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think he would nail it. He just has that voice, you know. what I mean, this like deep, dark, almost like yelling voice that he can just yeah. kind of project. Um, yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. At one point, he wraps his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that in Greenland, but he wraps his hand because he gets injured. And and I just it just felt reminiscent. I just played the God of War, uh, like re, not remake, but saw a free boot on the a PlayStation Five, and I, I just I kind of like the 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 bandages he wears the entire game. It just kind of felt like I don't know it's, uh, something about I, maybe that's what sparked sparked it. But you're right. I think his voice is does lend itself potentially to Kratos, and yeah, he's just kind of projecting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's tall. I think that that. Is, is helpful for filming. I, I know you can have a shorter actor. The other person I was thinking that could play this role, because I think, again, by the way, Sony is Sony Pictures is making a God of War movie. They announced that a while ago, but I don't know if they've got anything in the works, like how far they've gotten. The oh, is that one true? I thought, I thought that was just rumored. I didn't I'm think that was like sure officially announced. They had, I thought that they had a, had a planned option to do it. Like it was something they were planning on doing, but they don't have any script or anything. They didn't get any anywhere. I am looking it up right now to just find out that I'm not correct oh they confirmed in in may actually that they don't have anything in the works which seems like it's a shame 
Mm-hmm. It seems like a movie that would, again, because of the fact that they sh- they filmed, it was like that, that game runs in one shot, the emotional elements between Kratos and his son. It's just so well done in terms of a narrative standpoint. It's one of the greater narratives I've ever played in a video game probably. And it's, it's, that's odd. That's all they don't, they don't have anything that works. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, it's a pipe dream, I guess, of mine. Yeah. The other person I thought would, could play it would be Tom Hardy, by the way. But oh, he's yeah, just a little, he's a little shorter. Tom Hardy can play any role though. He can. That's the beauty of him. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. On the topic of Greenland, in terms of disaster movies, I also watched another film on Amazon Prime, and I just <gasps> finished it, The Tomorrow War, and I know you watched it as well. Yes. Oh, thank God. Yeah, this movie is uh, a disaster in a very different way. Well, it is also a disaster movie. Yeah, I guess so. In a way, in a way. It's got many genres, I would say. Yeah. But So, yeah, in, in terms of The Tomorrow War, let me start with the things I liked about this movie. Well, to, to start, I guess... Just to give it a quick outline, I guess it wasn't supposed to go. It was supposed to go to theaters, it, like like most things I, I find. Mm-hmm. But this one was supposed to go to theaters. It's uh, directed by somebody named Chris McKay. It, it's a movie with Chris Pratt. Uh, J.K. Simmons is in it, and essentially, it's a action movie in which people are asked to go back, sorry, forward in time to fight a war with aliens, like thirty years roughly, to fight a war with aliens that haven't. But, you know, they just started – the war is occurring in 30 years from now. So there's no mm-hmm. war 30 years before, like from the date the movie starts in 2022. But there is specifically a war in the future. They The future basically comes a call-in. And they're like, help us out because yeah. your future children are going to be dead. And so that's the that's the basic premise of the movie. But yeah, what yeah. were you going to say? What, what, what were the – the issues or what were the good things about the film to start? So, yeah, I'm going to, so the things that I like about this movie is, uh, the creature design. Okay. I agree with you. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No way. I think this movie fucking sucks. I'm going to be oh. totally blunt. Uh, it's 55% I think, by the way on Rotten Tomatoes, which is far too review high score review score. 55%. <laughs> I think this movie is like an absolute disaster for one. This movie, it feels like three separate episodes of a season of TV crammed into a movie when this, when this movie should have been like eight to 10 episodes. Oh, it is a, like a mini series. It, it should have been like a limited series. Exactly. It, it is long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes, give or take a bit. And it yeah. still feels like it is so rushed. And like the editing in this movie, I think is genuinely just, bad i don't know who 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 was editing this movie but they did not do a good job i think why the editing absolutely ruins any good action scene um oh. most notably so the i, I would uh, honestly so the movie starts i think the the start is pretty weak like uh, i i started watching the movie and i was like 15 minutes and i was like oh man this is not really that great so far and then there is a specific point in the movie when chris pratt and a bunch of people go into the future and that initial i would say 10 minutes or so from that point on is actually really good i was super into it i was like oh man this is kind of creepy they kind of you know land and um in a very brutal way in some cases and that's when the aliens are kind of introduced and and you realize like oh oh shit like these aliens are are like straight up messing everyone up like no wonder these guys are going back in time to to, to seek for help but again the action scenes suffer very quickly by because of how the editing happens it feels like they just cut out chunks of like how these characters got from here to here it's very disjointed is the best way i would put it i just 
thought it was very poorly done. And the rest of the movie continues to do that. It doesn't have that initial good 10 minutes in any more action scene. It is all just bad action scenes from that point on, in my personal opinion. Uh, I don't know if you agree. Um, so the, the action sequences are good, in my opinion. I, I like them. I, I agree, actually, there's some drawing editing. Yeah, that, that, that there was moments where I was like, whoa, how, how, did, you, how did you plant that, that bomb or – yeah, like how, you, how did you get? How did you here? get into that building? Yeah, like where, 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 what happened in between? And it's already a long movie. Like two hours and twenty minutes is a long. Two mm. hours and eighteen. And yeah. so, okay, yeah, that's that's problematic. The thing that uh, bothers me the most, and the funny thing is, is actually, I feel like they actually did time travel admirably. Like I think they did, did it properly. But the reason I, I doubted, I think, throughout the movie is because uh, we talked about dumb scientists uh, and mm. a variety of. Of other films, and I think which which movie did you say it was an alien movie? Yeah, it was Alien Covenant. Right, that the, the scientists are absolutely stupid. They they paint Chris Pratt's character as a scientist first, and then his daughter as a scientist first as well. Like he's teaching his mm. daughter, you know. There's a, a, a strong pedigree to the concept that he's like this. He's almost like actually a Walter White type character, and he's an underachieving high school teacher. It's funny, is similar in that regard, and. I I think he's quite smart and that's cool. They do a lot of weird things though. They make these weird choices like uh, they go to a high school student to ask him about, you know, an expert opinion about volcanoes and like it it's, it's just, just like why? Why would you talk to a high school kid? Like where the hell are all the other scientists? This is in the yeah. past, mind you. And it's, it's not like, like they're know, in the future where everyone's dead. No, they're in the past. They literally have every science on planet, sorry, scientist on planet Earth at their disposal that they can just kind of reach out to. But instead, yeah. they go to Chris Pratt's high school science class to talk to this kid that references volcanoes for whatever reason, like a bunch of right. times. We don't want to again. We don't want to spoil why that's happening, but um, it is odd. It's, it's very strange, and the the. the the kid who knows about volcanoes is kind of talked about right in the beginning of the movie. But um, there's a bunch of other things like that. It, it, that's almost like you talk about in a different light, but small universe syndrome, like that's mm-hmm. a small universe. Like we, we know these characters, so that's why you're going back to them because you yeah. already introduced this character because he's a high school teacher and he's got a high school student who knows about volcanoes. That's very unusual. And there's a, there's a bunch of things like that, honestly, throughout. Like they're training these people. There's conscription in this movie. And again, the very beginning to, to have them go into the future. And it doesn't make sense. Like they're not being trained nearly enough. They're not being told about the, the enemies they're facing. And it's a plot. It's like a plot convenience. That's exactly what Yeah. Yeah. I have that written down in my notes. It is literally plot convenience. And that that's what this movie is. I feel like the writing is very poor. Sorry. This is a theme park movie. Not even because it's not that fun. Well, I I thought it was fun. My my girlfriend and I had a fun time watching it. I Mm. I did enjoy watching it, but the plot in that way is like a theme park film. That's what I think. If you're going to describe a theme park film, that's what it is. It's this concept of you're going into a movie, like you're going onto a ride at Disney world or at Canada's wonderland. Mm-hmm. And you, you, they give you like this backstory through, while you're waiting in line. You've ever been on a ride like that? You know what I mean? Like you get yeah. this backstory of what this ride is. And it's like, Oh wow, that's cool. And then you get in and you kind of get this like real quick snippet. Cause the rides are short always. in any of mm-hmm. these theme parks and then you're, you you're out, you're out of there in like 10 minutes. And that kind of concept is okay. That's fine. But you didn't really, we don't have enough character. We don't have enough anything. And, and you, you did. You you just quickly snapshotted everything for us, and then you 
picked up all these characters and mm-hmm. didn't give them any, again, backstory that's really memorable and the emotional connections between even Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt's character and his wife is very, very light. It's, it's strange because also maybe it's more drawing for me. I just watched Greenland and it's completely jarring because it's the opposite. Like mm-hmm. there's actually, there's like an alert Chris Pratt's character gates on his phone. I'm talking like a presidential alert, like an emergency alert that you would get on your phone from the government. And so does mm-hmm. George Butler's character. He gets an alert on his phone. And the this is an editing thing for you too, but they they don't shoot after he sees the alert on his phone, Chris Pratt. It's basically saying you're being conscripted. They don't shoot his face to, to show his reaction or they don't gauge his reaction when he gets into the facility. They, or they did, but he's, he's not, he's emotionless. Like he doesn't, he's like joking. But this is a huge moment, like the Greenland moment. But when Gerard Butler gets a not- notice on his phone, he's shocked. He's like, oh my God, this is a serious moment. And mm-hmm. and it's like, that's a direction thing. Like, I don't think it's Chris Pratt's fault. He's just not told to do that. It's like, let's keep it light and comedic. But is this a, is this that comedic? People are dying like to the umph degree. Like you can have comedic moments. That's possible. Like I think Sam Richardson's actually a highlight in this movie. I really like his character. Mm-hmm. I think he's really funny. I, I like him as well. I, I feel like he's a little bit underutilized, though. Unfortunately, he is. He's miss, yeah, he's he's missing for a good chunk of the movie. Um, I feel like this movie is just very much the the Chris Pratt show, realistically, and he is you know center of attention the entire time. And you know characters come in and come out here and there, but it's very much like his movie. It's about it's about his character and it's following him exactly. And it's like yeah, he maybe has like an ensemble cast around them. But again, they're very underutilized. Even JK Simmons, I feel like is underutilized. And yes, ah, man, I, I just, I, I don't know. I like his character. It's funny. I like JK Simmons in the movie, but it's, he's just not in it enough. Like I don't feel a connection because mm-hmm. they didn't give us enough to play with You're, I, I agree with you. Like it, it felt rushed in that they didn't have enough time based on the number of characters they tried to introduce. And if they had more time, if they had created a limited series, this could have been pretty cool. Because the overall basis, the skeleton of what the movie is in terms of the concepts are actually really cool. I actually really like the idea of what this movie is in a lot of aspects. And I feel like they actually do a lot of it correctly. Like they they do it. I think the time travel actually funny enough in a movie about time travel, usually the plot holes are in time travel. In this case, I don't believe that's the case. Like time travel can be done in a variety of ways. You can create problems in time travel very easily. And I don't think they really hit snags. I think that they did it properly. They're doing them. Well, I don't want to spoil it, but they're doing yeah. a specific aspect of time travel that I think works in this particular frame of. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't agree with you there. I think the time travel in the movie is just, it's not explained well enough. It like, I assumed what the time travel was like pretty much right off the bat. But again, their actions don't reflect on like on the time travels mechanics is the best way I can I can put it. I just feel like it's not well done and it's definitely not well explained at all. And I think that's a huge detriment to this movie because it's it's weird because at points I feel like this movie takes itself very seriously and there yes. are these moments of levity. Yes. That seems so out of place from Completely the rest agree. of the movie. Yeah, that's a, that's the problem. Like it just they're like joking around but it, this is a very serious topic and it's funny there's some movies that do it well. Like I think Love and Monsters is an example. It mm. does that element. It's more of a comedy than maybe a a drama but Love and Monsters I feel like it it takes itself seriously at the right moments in, in mm-hmm. the right ways. And this movie, 
sometimes it just takes itself seriously. I feel like it's mostly taking itself seriously, but then there's moments of comedy that don't work in the moment. Like again, the volcano moment, um, you don't not, this is not even a comedy thing, but it's again, not taking yourself seriously, not training your people properly to even show the monsters. Like, do you, don't you want them to know what they're getting into? I know that it would be nice for the audience to see the monster for the first time in battle, but that's, that's not what you want. It, it doesn't make sense. Like they're not trained. They're not even soldiers. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to send these people into this. No wonder you're losing. You suck at training people. It, it just doesn't make any – again, there's there's so many moments like this throughout and that's the issue overall. I, think I that, agree. It, again, the skeleton of what the film is in terms of concept is actually – there's a, a lot of good elements. Um, but it, again, the moments where – even Chris Pratt's character is talking to his wife about how he's conscripted. He doesn't seem that bummed out. He doesn't seem that scared. I get it. He was the guy was initially a soldier. They explained that right from the get go. But it mm. just seems like he, he's not taking it seriously. And this is a bigger deal, not that bigger deal than Greenland, but it's just as big of a deal. And again, Gerard Butler's family, everyone in that movie is panicking, and it just feels very realistic in this movie. It doesn't. Again, there's no comedic elements at all in Greenland, so they're a mm-hmm. different kind of flavor. But yeah, I don't hate it. I was entertained. It sounds like you weren't even entertained. But, no, but, I, I think this movie is like a genuinely bad movie. Uh, I was entertained, but I do I think it's a good movie. It's entertaining. It's fun. Mm. It was fun. Adrian, I know that you like to talk about, you know, we watched the movie nonstop with Liam Neeson. It's fun. It's a fun movie. Nonstop's so. fun. But it, it's because that movie, at the very least, makes somewhat sense. Whereas I feel like this movie just misses the mark in a lot of ways. Yeah. My old mentality is just like they're sending people from the past to the future to like save the future. Just make everyone go to the past and save the past and make sure that future doesn't happen. It's I don't know. anyways, it's a dumb freaking movie. I don't like it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, how are they doing this? Like, again, it's the time travel question. Yeah. How are they doing time travel? It's always a question every time travel movie. How are they doing time travel? Are they doing it in a linear fashion like Tenet? Or are they doing it in a non-linear fashion like uh, Avengers, as an example? Yeah. Or, or Loki, yeah. you create multi- a multiverse, you know? And, and so are we creating a multiverse? And that's a question you can a- ask yourself, listener, if you want to watch this movie. We're not going to spoil it here because we're just mm-hmm. – conscientious that way but like is it becoming a multiverse or is he splitting the timeline chris pratt's character or someone else or is it running in a linear fashion does nothing that he does matter except the fact that if he goes back in time or if they goes forward in time he maybe is a quintessential player to stop this tomorrow war and Mm -hmm. that's the question that i went in with that's the question i wanted answered because every time travel movie whether it be back to the future or avengers or again tenet or interstellar it's all about that. And I think that they they kind of messed – I feel like they, maybe somebody, one of the people on the writing team or the director or some of the players didn't necessarily understand what they were doing. They made sense in, to, in the way that they actually designed it by the end. But I found that they didn't necessarily explain it very well to the audience and they kind of didn't – They th- I don't know if they thought it was an important thing to explain is the, is the, is the ultimate thing that I would say. It's like they thought maybe, oh, but that's not that important. Which is ridiculous considering the – like that's kind of the main point of this movie is the time travel. It's called travel. the Tomorrow War. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like, called the Tomorrow War. It's like yeah. what were you thinking? I don't know. I Yeah. I, I think yeah. this movie's bad. I'd even go as far to say as Ready Player One is a better movie than this movie. 
I don't oh, like Ready wow. Player One, and I think Ready Player One's a bad movie. But I think that's it's better a lot, than this. That's the means a lot coming from you. But mm-hmm. uh, Ready Player One is genuinely a good movie in in comparison to this, and in comparison to other movies. So so yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. If I I wasn't gonna watch this movie initially for this week, but uh, uh, but I knew you watched it, and you kind of guilted me into it. By proxy, by the way, of course, we don't talk outside this podcast, but by, but by proxy, you would explain that you really were disappointed in me that I hadn't watched it. And so I thought, let's do it. Let's, let's watch it at the last second so that we can discuss it. And we have. We have here. Mm-hmm. I think we did a good job. But if I hadn't watched it, I would have said I'll watch it tomorrow. War. Tomorrow. And I was going to keep doing that. Every, every episode, I was going to be like, yeah, I'll watch it tomorrow. No, no worries. I can't watch it now. I'll watch it tomorrow. Be good. Pretty stupid joke. Pretty stupid joke. It, it, it's better, uh, I think, that I watched it and we got to discuss it. But anyway, yeah. what else have you been watching this week? Um, the other thing I've been watching, Simon, is Mythic Quest Ooh. due to your recommendation from a couple weeks ago. Exciting. And um, I, have a, I have a few things to say about this show. Okay. And last week I came off as maybe a little bit negative. Not necessarily negative. I thought it was pretty good. But, you know, I, I talked about how a lot of workplace comedies, you, you need to warm up to the characters. Yes, indeed. And as the show progresses, uh, you do you do warm up to these characters, and and you and I start liking the characters more and more. And I am now about halfway through season two. I watched a genuinely phenomenal episode once again in season two. That was actually, funnily enough, to, uh, once again. So real quick, Rob Delaney. Did I pronounce his name right? It's Delaney, right? Rob, sorry, Delaney from like Dead. Dead wait, he's not involved in this, is he? Oh no, it's Rob. Uh, What's the guy's name? Michelhenny. Michelhenny. Sorry. My, my apologies. Rob Michelhenny directs the best episodes in the series. There's no doubt in my mind. He, you, you talked about, um, I think it's episode five in season one, how it's like a genuine- A dark, quiet death. A dark, quiet death, which is a genuinely phenomenal episode of tel- television. Uh, I agree completely. I think it's amazing. It made me cry. Uh, it made me laugh. It is much more of a drama in comparison to the rest of the series. Uh, but it still is, you know, it still connects to the the, the, the main story. And it, it is actually quite, it's referenced quite, quite often throughout the series. And uh, you also mentioned there was an episode which was kind of like to bridge the gap beti- between seasons one and two um, that pretty much took place over, you know, like Zoom um, or, or FaceTime or whatever. And uh, that episode, once again, 100%, man, that episode's absolutely phenomenal. It's so good. It's so creative. That episode, once again, made me cry. Yeah. And now there was an episode, I think it was the last episode I watched last night. I think it's season two, episode five, season two, episode six. It's another period piece episode, similar to the one in season one. However, it goes even further back in time. Episode six. Episode six. Uh, It's called Backstory. Backstory. However, it goes even further back in time, following one uh, one one of the main characters of the show, just as a young man. And again, that episode was actually written by, I don't know if you know this, Craig Mazin. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Craig Mazin. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Who did Chernobyl. Yeah. Um, and he is doing the Last of Us series. And if I wasn't already sold on the Last of Us series, I 100% am now because that episode was genuinely spectacular. It might be my favorite episode of the series, and it, which, which is wild. And that kind of goes to my next point. Where is that? Sorry, just to be clear, is that the last episode that you watched so far? It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're in for a treat for the next one. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, where I just feel like this show does. There's so many outs. Sorry, not so many. There's, I guess, three 
absolutely outstanding episodes that I've watched thus far. And it almost makes it seem like the rest of the show isn't as good. However, I do think season two is a major step up from the first season in terms of episode hmm. by episodes quality. Um, hmm. And I, I definitely and I think a lot of that has to do with me falling in love with these characters over time and, right. you know, getting used to their sense of humor, their unique quirks and and just, you know, how the, how the characters interact with one another. And uh, I think Ashley Birch, um, who I love as a, as a voice actress, I think she does a really great job in this role because she is literally the most annoying character, but they make it on purpose. And it, you know, lends to a lot of laughs where she's kind of the butt of the joke a lot of the times. And again, every character has these like unique things that I just absolutely love about them. Even the characters that are a little bit less interesting are still quite interesting when interacting with the rest of the characters. And I think that's what the show does very well. And I really like it. I genuinely really, really like this show. And I'm super glad that you recommended it to me. Um, but again, I do think it just has these like couple of outstanding episodes where I would say it's you know, there's there's a few episodes in the show that I think are better than any episode of The Office or Parks and Recreation or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, all three shows that I love that are also workplace comedies. However, I think the regular episodes that aren't those maybe aren't as good as some of some of those like Brooklyn Nine-Nine episodes and stuff. I would I would almost put this on the level of like a uh, Silicon Valley in terms of its quality sometimes. Where again, it's just so outstanding and just so top notch. It's also R rated, you know. F bombs are flying, but yeah, I don't know. I really, really love this show, and I'm I'm super glad that you that you put me on it, man. Yeah, yeah. And again, I know you're a video game fan to like the nth degree, and I, I, that that as well mm. is is important for loving this show a little bit. The thing I find interesting here is that it's almost like Master of None. It's it's one of these comedies that it, it's not afraid to take these weird big swing. Mm -hmm. uh, big swings in terms of their episodes and taking these risks. That th that's what's so crazy about episode five, season season one, episode five, is that mm -hmm. that concept of just completely flipping the script and doing something completely different. That episode, I think, was actually written by uh, Rob McElhenney's sister, Katie McElhenney, which is cool. Oh, and so, cool. I I just I, that was such a neat idea of just doing that and doing completely going a different direction. And sure, that was related to the se series, but it's not tremendously related i find mm. that the cw episode for backstory in episode six is is more i argue is more related and you, you kind of see that mm -hmm. but i i do love the show and I, I like the idea of of just doing something different certain episodes is great my girlfriend actually prefers the episodes that are not these artsy type type episodes and honestly mm. i think that the whole show in, in general all these individual episodes that aren't that where they're flipping the script are great episodes but then when you yeah. go to those episodes, it just becomes phenomenal. And so there's like this, you're, you're just spiking to, from great to phenomenal. And I don't think it ever really goes to like, okay. I think that I, honestly, every episode, I, I really do. I am in love with these characters. I do think they're great. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do in the future. I mean, this show just ended. The, the second se series, second season is over as of June 25th. Like it ended fairly recently. So we're, I mean, we're kind of up to the, up to the, the mark now mm -hmm. so it, we're actually not that far away from when the last like the the season finale ended so i'm gonna leave it because i just watched the season finale today as well and i thought that that episode was very good too I'll, I'll leave it and we can talk about it when you watch it and we can go over it then but I, I would agree with you again and the next episode that you have up episode seven called peter is very very good I, i'll say that 
I don't know if it's as good as A Dark Quiet Death, but it's also amazing. And uh, yeah, I'll let you watch that and we can discuss it at that point. But yeah, I love this show. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, I do have uh, two things actually to point out where um, it became obvious. There's two moments in this show in particular where it became obvious that this is funded by Ubisoft to a certain extent. Sure. Yeah. And uh, there is one episode, I think it's in season one, where they talk about games with amazing stories. And they the, the, the one character brings up three games with just absolutely amazing stories. Right. And he goes, The Last of Us, yeah. Assassin's Creed, Red Dead Redemption. And I was sitting there thinking, I love Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I platinum that game last year on PlayStation. I think it's a great game. But to even consider that Assassin's Creed is remotely close to the quality of The Last of Us. And the quality of Red Dead Redemption is outlandish and ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah, that that, that is that, that was like one moment that pointed out to me where I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess Ubisoft is, uh, you know, attached to this. Then it there was another. True. There's a moment, though, where they show a scene from Red Dead Redemption 2. And I was like, wow, they must have picked up the licensing for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, which I kind of shocked. threw me off. I was like, it, I thought it's kind they of- would do more of a Ubisoft because they've put a lot of Ubisoft footage into the mm-hmm. into the show. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's from the end of Red Dead Redemption 2, where I was like watching, I was like, oh, like, that must suck if you've never played the game and you just watch the show and now like a very emotional moment from the end is ruined for you. It's uh, It was a little bit jarring, uh, but again, yeah, like me n- playing the game, I was like, oh man, I love this game so much. Out of context, uh, so- though, you probably wouldn't know that that was from the end because it. who yeah. knows at that point, you know what I mean? But you Fair just point. told everybody. <laughs> well, shit. Um, and then, um, so that, that was one time where I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's obvious that Ubisoft has, you know, a little bit of, uh, control over this show. Uh, then they, there's a point where they're talking about mega franchises and they bring up Counter-Strike, Hyperscape and Call of Duty. Once again, to consider Hyperscape, which is, I think pretty well known as a failure. Like it, it didn't take the world by storm at all. And uh, do you even know what Hyperscape is, Simon? Isn't it? No, sorry. Wasn't this in the context of Battle Royales? Yeah, but they're talking about mega franchises in... No, like they're just talking about mega franchises because Counter-Strike isn't a Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Hyperscape so is a Battle about, Royale, though. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're like talking about yeah mega franchises. They just throw Hyperscape in the middle. I'm like, dude, nobody knows what the hype, what the hell Hyperscape is. I'm like in the, like, I know a lot about video games. I watch a bunch of stuff. I listen to a bunch of stuff. I guarantee you barely anyone knows what the hell Hyperscape is. If you just ask like your regular video game player, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, fake it to make so it. So again. Yeah. <laughs> fake it to make it for sure. Is that, yeah, that's so yeah, a, like, yeah, if you're going to list the mega franchise, I think they were talk, talking about multiplayer franchises, though, at least, because it was in the context of Battle Royale. Battle Royale, mm-hmm. by, by the way, listener, if you're not a video game fan, is, is like Fortnite, the concept of being thrown into an arena yeah. and last man standing wins. That's basically it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think they were talking about it in a, in a context of multiplayer because they were talking about Battle Royale games mm-hmm. that are popular in general or, or, or just how to make a multiplayer game that that's, that's that popular. But anyway, yeah, that is yeah. really weird. It was jarring for me too. And I was, I was actually in my naivety, actually, I thought, Hmm, hyperscape must be more popular than I thought. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not dude. No. Yeah, it, it <laughs> uh, isn't. You're right. It was a weird advertisement. It can't be. I mean, yeah. it could be, but I don't believe so. Yeah. That, that's really the, the only two things uh, that I wanted to bring up the final two things, I guess. But yeah, I'm excited to watch the rest. Uh, I'll probably watch uh, an episode or two tonight and then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But yeah, I really love it. I really love it. That's fantastic. 
Or should we uh, get on to the news, Adrian? Yeah, psych. No, I'm kidding, man. Let's do it. It's a year. We've been around for a year. It's year two, day one. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that have been particularly pertinent this week. Number one, according to website Variety, Justified actor Timothy Oliphant has just been cast in director Gareth Evans' upcoming Netflix film, Havoc. Havoc is the first of many movies that Evans will make for the streaming giant based upon a multi-year deal he signed with Netflix at the beginning of 2021. Gareth Evans is arguably best known for his Indonesia-based films, The Raid Redemption and The Raid 2, that features Indonesian martial art Pankak Salat. His new film, Havoc, is meant to follow a detective on a rescue mission to save a politician's kidnapped son. The cast will notably feature Inception actor Tom Hardy, Black Panther actor Forrest Whitaker, and wet season actor Yao Yon Yon. Adrian, what do you make of this? I know that you enjoy Raid. We talked about Raid and the Raid Redemption before. We talked about this film mm-hmm. actually before in the context of Tom Hardy being cast. Now we've got Timothy Oliphant, we've got Forrest Whitaker, and we have Tom Hardy in this film. What are you thinking? This seems like it's going to be a freaking awesome movie. This is one of those like few Netflix movies that are coming out that I'm genuinely stoked for. I think it's I mean, Gareth Evans has has proven himself uh, with, again, the Raid Redemption and the Raid 2, uh, two movies I've gushed about before. I think the action in those movies are absolutely stellar. And I imagine he'll try to I mean, obviously not use the exact same martial arts style, but I'm sure these action scenes are going to be stellar in this movie. And having actors like Tom Hardy attached, Timothy Oliphant, uh, who I'm not, um, you know, hugely familiar with, but, you know, I like when I, I, I like to see him in things, like whenever I see him, um, you know, bringing Forrest Whitaker and all of that. It's, uh, this is all the, you know, trappings of being a, a, a good movie. I don't know about, like, what you think about this, man, but I think it's going to be sweet. Yeah, I am excited for this. I, I just want to see the martial arts that he brings to the table because he does such a good job with that. The, the show that we talked about before that I was very excited to watch and I just can't because I don't have the access right now in Canada without, I think, buying the season on iTunes as a season's pass is Gangs of London. Uh, I mm-hmm. hear that that show is pretty good. And so that's kind of something I'm missing out on. Justified is a show that I've also watched. And that's a show that Timothy Oliphant is the main star in as crime dramas go. That's a very good one. Uh, it's like a, almost like a Western in modern times and the Timothy Oliphant's like, and in the town he lives in, in, uh, in the sh- series is, uh, it's a very, the town's a little nuts and it, it is almost like the wild West and Timothy Oliphant's character. It's very entertaining to watch. Let's just say that it, it, it starts off. Mm-hmm. Basically he's at a, a bar in Miami and he's sitting there with a guy he knows is a felon. He knows he's killed multiple people. He's this, he's a terrible guy. And he basically waits for him to draw first because he knows that he he basically he invites him to draw his gun in this bar. Uh, it's outside. It's like on a patio. Because he knows that for a fact that he can quick draw this guy and kill him. Because he's so fast on the draw. That's what's so cool about him is he can just draw so fast. And so... That's like the first scene of the entire series. And I just, from that moment, I was sold. I was like, oh man, I got to see more of this and what this guy brings to the table. He's not always quick drawing on people. He's like a, he's a pretty level-headed dude, but he Mm -hmm. just, 
he's 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 one for justice. And so the the idea of the word the reason why I guess it's called justified is because he's like oh, it was justified because he he literally mm. pulls his gun just after the guy pulls his gun on him. So I, I just think. Great. Timothy Oliphant's also in Star Wars. You know, the, we, we just watched that, but uh, The Mandalorian season two, he was great in that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this. I love Forrest Whitaker. He's, a, I believe, he's an Academy Award winner as well. And Tom Hardy yeah. is, can't say enough about Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy in any role, he's a complete chameleon. So, yes, yeah. this show I'm very excited for. So that's, 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 oh, sorry, show, this movie. Yeah, I, I was going to th- say, movie. I just you don't keep on know. The, 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 you keep on mixing up film and uh, TV. Yeah. You didn't, yeah. 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 I don't it's know. It's like me with plural. Sure. And me with audience and listener. Oh, no. Sorry. Not audience. No, I said it wrong. Uh, watching watch. and listening. Yeah. <laughs> You're watching your show. You can't watch this. It's impossible because we're not we're not on video. Anyway. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty much all I got for this one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have too much uh, to say other than that. Uh, it looks super interesting. I'm, I'm quite excited for it. And again, anything Tom Hardy's attached to... Uh, I'm always down to watch. He, he's he's really great, and again, I I, I love the raid, <laughs> like the the two raid movies. I think they're just so good, and I'm super disappointed that Gareth Evans is not going back to that franchise. I think he's mentioned that he's not going to make a third movie, which is disappointing. But hell, man, I'm down to watch his new movie Havoc, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, he can up the ante with the action front. Although I don't know how the hell you <laughs> do it better than the raid. And- uh, the Raid Redemption and The Raid 2. So. Well, those two movies are almost like ba- boss battles. Like they line these people up, these villains, mm-hmm. and they fight them. It's very much a martial arts film. This film, it kind of seems like it is a martial arts film. This this detective is like fighting through like the a seedy underworld to save uh, save this, this kid, which is cool. Yeah. But I don't know you can really if you can really up the ante by adding more plot. But yeah. It, I, I don't know. It would be nice to, to have a good mixture of the action and the plot. So – I just again, I'm excited for the the fight scenes for sure. The choreography yeah. is going to be the the key. I feel like Gareth Evans would be a perfect pick for a like video game movie because his movies are very well, at least the raid movies are very video game esque. Like like you said, it's like you know go through a stage and then fight the boss. Like I feel like he does a very good job bringing that to screen. That I'm surprised he hasn't been tapped for any sort of like video game movie at all. Just to bring it back, just based on that note, God of War. Mm. He he does these long shots as well. He he specifically he focuses on the choreography, so he does these long shots in a lot of his movies, like at least the Raid and the Raid Two. So if you could do God of War movie, it, 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 theoretically, because again, it God of War. The greatest thing about God of War, in my opinion, is the fact that it's completely done in one continuous shot, which is yeah. it's not. You think maybe more video games would do this, but it's because of loading screens and things like that. That just doesn't happen. They did really neat tricks where you always follow follow the back of the character or the camera rotates to a certain character. They just never cut away, which is just brilliant. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's move on to number two. As publication deadline reports, streaming service Paramount Plus's Halo showrunner Steve Kane will be leaving the Halo TV series after the completion of season one. Halo is a TV series adaptation of the famous Xbox science fiction video game series of the same name that will follow protagonist Master Chief as he fights to defend humanity against the antagonistic alien race known as the Covenant. The series has had a very turbulent flight to production. It was initially being showrun by NBC's Awake showrunner Kyle Kinnan with the rise of the Planet of the Apes director Rupert Wyatt set to direct. But both Kinnan and Wyatt have since left the project prior to the start of production, leaving the last ship showrunner, Steve Kane, in Kyle Kinnan's place. Kane 
had initially been hired on as a co-showrunner for the series when the workload grew to be too much for Kyle Kinnan. Prior to the unforeseen circumstances of a global pandemic, the plan was for the series to shoot for seven months in Budapest, Hungary, but unfortunately, it has now been two years of on and off shooting due to delays, with a currently planned release date set for 2022. In other words, Kane is reportedly eager to work on other projects back in Los Angeles, California, and will now no longer be a part of the Paramount Plus series if it is to be picked up for a season two. Adrian, I know you also play Xbox. This is becoming a very <laughs> almost video game centric episode of our show. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this move on, I mean, I guess Kane's part to leave the series? And what are you thinking about this Xbox Halo series in general? Like, uh, how, how do you, how is it going to shape out in your opinion? I feel like there's just so much going against this series, like this TV series. I just can't imagine it. It's going to be good. And I'm, I'm super kind of disappointed on uh, like saying that, uh, you know, like Kyle Kinnan, who ran awake, me and you both love awake. Um, the, that one season, it's fantastic. It's super great. I like rise of the planet of the apes enough. I do think it's the worst of the, um, you know, the, the, the three movie trilogy, the, the most recent one, but it's not bad by any means. So, you know, just losing those two guys right off the, or, you know, even before the show starts, that's a big loss. And then now, so now that, you know, like Steve Kane, who is, who show ran, I guess this first season is also piecing out. It's not really a good sign. Like I feel like a lot of times when a show loses a showrunner after the first season, it can be um, to its detriment. Um, I think of, you know, probably the two big ones that immediately pop into my head. Although, uh, I'm kind of contradicting myself here is yeah. So with that, you know, the walking dead season one, that was show ran by uh, Frank Darabont and he left after that first season due to creative differences. And then season two came out, which is, I know a lot of people don't like that show. Again, I'm contradicting myself here. I actually really love season two. I think it's a nice slow burn. They take their time. They didn't have much budget and, you know, it was very much about character building. Um, but a lot of people didn't like that. And uh, you know, a lot of people think that the show went downhill after season one, that only the first season's really great. And another show that pops into my head as well is uh, daredevil. Um, you know, the first season, which I think is spectacular. Um, they lost uh, their showrunner, uh, Steven Estes Knight after that first season. And season two is in my opinion, like not even close to as good as the first season. Um, like it's not bad by any means, but it's definitely, it goes down a bit. Now, funnily enough, season three, I think is the best season of that show. Um, however, I just feel like Lou, this much going against the show is definitely not a positive. And I know that, you know, I think Steve Kane mentioned that he just wants to go back to Los Angeles to be closer to his family. So it's not like he's, um, saying that, oh no, the show sucks. Like I need to, I need to jump ship before it goes downhill. But again, it just doesn't, it always sucks not having one person at the helm of a creative vision, especially for a franchise as large as Halo. I agree. The, the thing to me that's alarming is the fact that so many other people have left. Yeah. Why Kyle Kinnan left? We don't we leave. We don't actually know. I, I, I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. If you can find that, I'd love to know why. I don't understand. The thing is, is that I love Awake so much and I've been waiting for another show by Kyle Kinnan. So as much as mm -hmm. I don't really have any attachment to Halo because I just don't play Xbox games at all. Um. Mm -hmm. Kyle Kinnan would have roped me in because Kyle Kinnan's Awake series is amazing. So why did yes, Kyle Kinnan leave? I just don't understand why he left and I could not find why. Uh, 
So that's the mystery is he left before production started. He was the showrunner. He was the mm-hmm. hired on showrunner. It wasn't Steve Kane and Kyle Kinnan hired on initially. Steve Kane was hired on after as like uh, yeah. help me with the workload type of guy. So he was like the almost, again, if they were both in it, Steve Kane might not have left either because he probably would have felt overwhelmed and probably would have felt like he could probably be with his family more. So it's, yeah. it's again, it's problematic that all these people keep leaving theoretically. I Definitely. mean, it could be good, but it just, this has been a long time in the making. This show was initially, by the way, on Showtime, which is owned by Paramount. Like it's owned by CBS, mm-hmm. whatever, CBS and uh, those guys. So I don't know. I It's also being like executive produced by Steven Spielberg or at least was. Amblin, back right. In the it's Amblin. Uh, we talked about yeah. that. Amblin Partners. Like last week we mm-hmm. talked about Amblin Partners making that deal with Netflix. Amblin Partners is actually, again, a producer for Halo as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I like Halo quite a bit. Like, I'm not, a, you know, a huge lover in it. I, I, I don't read any of the extra lore. I played every Halo game, um, except for, like, I guess, those, like, RTS ones and stuff. The, the mainline Halo games. Like, Halo's 1, um, 2, ODST, 3, uh, Reach, 4. I haven't played the most recent one, which is Halo 5, but I plan on playing that soon prior to, like, Halo Infinite's release in um, whatever, whenever that fucking game comes out because they still don't have a release date for it, oddly enough. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, you know, people leaving a a show like this, especially a like a, a franchise as large as Halo, because like I feel like everyone knows Halo, even people that aren't really ingratiated in the gaming industry. Like Halo was a cultural phenomenon, you know, back in the early Xbox days and everything like that. I just feel like everyone knows about it, especially our age group. So many people played it. And why would you want to leave, like, a show like this. Right. A monumental possibly- series that likely will get many seasons and you'll have a job for a long time too. So exactly. You won't like lose your job because they're going to cancel it because there's way more of a chance theoretically. If you make this show mediocre, they'll still probably keep it on because people will watch it. That's like a very exactly. there's a good chance. This is like one of the biggest franchises in gaming history. So mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. It's just jarring to me and it kind of makes you think like, is it just like, is it, you know, studio sort of meddling yeah and we 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 both know like studio meddling is always a bad thing um so many like movies and i guess even tv shows to a certain extent have failed due to studio meddling um especially for something that is you know high budget which i presume this halo tv series is very high budget because how the hell are you going to do something like like halo you know, amazing, you know, like alien creatures, alien designs going from ga- like planets to planets, space travel, all that sort of sh- stuff. Like it, they're obviously going to be spending millions upon millions of dollars on this show. And, you know, as a result, I'm sure the you know studio execs don't want that money to go to waste. And they probably think they know what's better uh, for the show than these uh, showrunners. And again, this is this is pure speculation, but. That's really the only logical conclu- conclusion I can see for these people leaving, unless it's, you know, maybe family reasons or stuff like that. But it just seems like uh, this does not seem like a good sign for the, the, the series. And um, it's a little bit worrisome. You know, I feel like video game movies and TV shows always have a bad rap. I really the only, you know, I guess just recently there's really just two things that I guess kind of stuck out for a lot of people was the Sonic movie, which... To be fair, you know, it's very well liked, but it's not really that great by any means. It's just okay. But, you know, it made a bunch of money. And then uh, I've talked about the Castlevania series and how amazing that is and how much I love it. 
Um, that being, you know, based on the video game property. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just seems I'm worried about this and I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, I don't want them to fail at this because again, like I feel like Halo lends itself to a, a TV series. It can do so many cool space adventures and stuff, whether it be directly in relation to the games or, you know, maybe this off offshoot story. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a bummer to, to, to read all about this stuff and to hear about all this stuff. And uh, I'm hoping it's going to be good, but the signs point to it not being good. Indeed. It's a puzzler. Yeah. We're just going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to number three. As website Collider reports, stowaway actor Shamir Anderson recently posted a photo to Twitter confirming that John Wick 4 has officially entered production. Anderson will join series newcomers Donnie Yen, Hiroyuki Sanada, Bill Skarsgård, and Rina Sawayarma, alongside series veterans Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Ian McShane, and Lance Reddick for the fourth film in the long-running blockbuster series. John Wick 4 is being directed by longtime John Wick director Chad Stahelski, but is not being written by screenwriter Derek Kolstad, who wrote all three previous John Wick films. Instead, the new movie is being written by Army of the Dead screenwriter Shay Hatton and American Assassin screenwriter Michael Finch. John Wick 4 is planned for release in June of 2022. Adrian, John Wick 4, I know you're a huge John Wick fan. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. I'm of two minds with this story. Um, my first mind is that God damn, this cast is unreal. You know, it's a bunch of people that are very well known for their action scenes and their fight choreography and everything like that, especially with Donnie Yen. Like, I mean, that guy's a goddamn treasure. He's amazing. Um, And I'm very excited to see all these awesome action scenes because, you know, that's what honestly John Wick 3 is just like nonstop action. It's freaking awesome. Fairly light on the story. Now, on the topic of story, Army of the Dead it wasn't that great in terms of its writing by any means. And I haven't watched American assassin, but I don't believe that is, you know, very well regarded either in terms of its writing and just in general. So hearing that, hearing that Derek Coles, that is not attached to this is pretty disappointing. Um, I don't know if you agree. Yeah. It's strange. I didn't know that before. It's a strange thing. Like that's not a new piece of news. Like I think that's that was been, been in the works for a while. Derek Kolstad is uh, again. He's been attached to all the John Wick movies. He actually mm-hmm. wrote uh, Nobody with um, Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, which is, is awesome. Cool. Yeah, and he's writing or he's planning on writing. I think it's the animated series, but it's an animated series for Splinter Cell, which uh, should be exciting as well. Yeah, that's coming out on Netflix, which is super cool. Yeah, Spinner Cell, of course, being the Ubisoft uh, kind of like a spy stealth game series that they just don't seem to want to make an actual video game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another video game in the series for it, despite the fact that fans are looking for one, but they're making a bunch of... Uh, yeah, like, you know, based on, uh, you know, Tom Clancy's series from back in the day, like the books and stuff. Right, yeah. And the games were very popular, but they, again, they're holding out in terms of yeah, making it's not a popular game, enough. I guess. But, but they're making a... I can't show about it. It's, it's a little strange. Anyways, uh, yeah, it's odd. But um, yeah, I'm just looking at uh, other things that Shea Hatton has written. It doesn't look like that much. Although he did uh, he did contribute to the screenplay for John Wick Chapter 3. So it, it may not be too bad. There's not a lot of stare, a story in John Wick, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. It, it's, it's very much a lore type thing in that there's 
you can, that's the greatest thing about the story in John Wick, in my opinion. There's a, you're not, it's kind of a show don't tell type scenario. It, you're just thrown into this world as the audience. You're watching this kind of place unfold. You get this continental, which is again, got this storied history. And that's the greatest thing about the backstory. There's not that much to it. There's like, it's a world of assassination and you're just kind of thrown into it as the audience. And it's mostly an action movie. So I don't know what, really what you have to do. To, to some extent, I, I do think that they could work on the story a little bit in, in, in the, in that they're making a fourth one at this point. So maybe don't make it more complex, but give us more reasons to be invested into these, uh, into John Wick shooting more people in the head. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but that's, that's all. So I, I don't know. Army of the dead. We had our problems with it. Like we, again, as you kind of point out, it's just, it, it feels like pothole city. There's a lot of stupid mm-hmm. elements and it, stupid elements that I point out just like tomorrow war, in my opinion, that could have been avoided. There are things that could have been avoided. Cause I feel like the skeleton of that movie is also good. So why break it with some weird, weird plot points that don't make sense? Like the very start of army of the dead just doesn't make sense. The army people are just too stupid. Yeah. They're dumbasses. The, were they never trained is the question that I have. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, I I have hope for it. I'm not. Uh, it's not. It's not the end of the world. I, I also haven't seen American Assassin. That's the movie with Michael Keaton, isn't it? Yeah, Don O'Brien, Michael Keaton. Yeah, I haven't seen um, that either. But anyway, me neither. I don't think it was very well rated, unfortunately. But yeah, like I'm not like super worried. Like I I don't think this is like you know like like going to be awful by any means. And like you mentioned, it is the, the, the movies are very action heavy over plot, but I don't know. I just don't want it to have a bunch of random plot holes that can be easily avoided. <laughs> um, I know. That's kind of what I'm worried about. Cause it, uh, there's a, all, that's the thing with tomorrow war that I, I, I guess I kind of alluded to, but I didn't necessarily say you can have a movie like that and have a plot that makes sense. Like again, you can have mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Kong and have a plot that makes sense. I know, Every time I ever say, like, I'm surprised you didn't say, well, it's just a fun time for that. It's a monster movie, Tomorrow War. But I, I think that the plot makes, you need to have a, a better plot if you're making a, maybe a time travel movie. And maybe that's why that's not your argument. But I had that argument with Godzilla versus Kong. The plot is a mess. Like, there's just, why are there holes? I know that it's about the spectacle, but you can still, John Wick is a good example. I don't think that the plot doesn't make sense. I don't think no, that there are plots. No, no. I think that yeah. the plot is simple. Simplicity doesn't mean it's it doesn't exist though. It still mm-hmm. adds up, and the adding up part is important. You need a plot that makes sense. You can't have characters do things that wouldn't be that don't seem to be in character. You can't do things like that, and that's what Godzilla versus Kong I feel like that did, despite the fact that despite the fact that honestly it's reviewed very well, and is, people, yeah, weird to me, but people love it. I mean, that director keeps getting tapped for new, more projects because of how well it did, especially during the pandemic era. And uh, I'm curious to see what he does on the next film because, again, that movie to me is extremely flawed on the plot side. It's just, mm-hmm. it just, again, it does matter to me. Every one of these movies, it doesn't matter how simplistic it is, it still needs to have a plot that makes sense. You cannot have things that contradict themselves, especially from mm-hmm. even the episodes pre- prior. So, again, we got new writers, sort of. Some of them are kind of, they kind of, we're involved with John Wick three and John John Wick three for uh, for Shea Hatton, and uh, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You're hiring new writers, but they just have to not shit on what has come before it. That's it. That's all I yeah. want. That's all I ask for. So we'll see what happens. I guess so. Oh, and the reason I bring that up, of course, the reason I bring that up is because the previous Godzilla movie, 
did things that they ignored in Godzilla versus Kong. That 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 it just it's mind boggling. I don't know why. Yeah, that movie's not great. If you want to watch a good monster movie, watch Rampage. Oh my god, I can't remember the plot in that. If I I, I remember you having <laughs> such a good time, I wonder if your opinion of it like tainted mine. I, I'm curious. Exactly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to. I don't want to watch it again because I'm not a big fan of it. But I, I yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, 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 a, it's kind of mindless. But I think that it made sense still in a weird way. Like they follow the rules of their own world is the key, mm-hmm. and that's what Tomorrow War does not do. They don't follow the world, the rules of their own world. And that's, yeah. the, that's the issue. And the rules are very little, unclear in that freaking movie. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as Deadline reports, Amazon has renewed the TV series adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Good Omens for a second season. Good Omens, starring Michael Sheen and David Tennant, was initially designed to be a limited series, but will now be receiving at least an additional six episodes that will begin filming later this year. That's interesting. I feel like I haven't really seen that before, where a miniseries just gets picked up. Sorry, a limited series gets picked up for a second season. Hmm. It's interesting. It is interesting. Number two, as publication The Hollywood Reporter notes, creator Misha Green's horror TV series Lovecraft Country has been cancelled by network HBO after one season. The HBO Max original series was originally always meant to be a limited series, but HBO entertained the idea for a second season, likely due to the show's high viewership numbers, before eventually scrapping the idea this past week. Yeah, that's uh, so this is interesting in, in a different way. <laughs> in, in the exact opposite way, I guess. Um... Yeah, it's, it's weird because, yeah, I definitely I didn't realize that this show was meant to only be a limited series. And again, it seems like Misha Green is a little bit disappointed that they're not coming back for a season two. So uh, that was kind of surprising for me. Yeah, she apparently wrote enough for the second season. And uh, I think Lovecraft Country initially was based upon a book, but she had a pretty good idea for the second season, despite the fact that it would be going off, not off script, but off book, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and the image she posted about it actually is quite an interesting uh, take, but I just haven't seen the first season. So I, uh, I feel like I'd have to see that to really have more context for the situation. Yeah, me too. Number three, as followed by The Hollywood Reporter, actor Dwayne The Rock Johnson has been cast in an action-adventure holiday film planned for 2023 called Red One for Amazon Studios. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, best known for his role in the hit movie Rampage, which is <laughs> better than uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Number four, as website deadline reports, actor Dennis Quaid has had to give up his role as Rick Kirkham in the Peacock Tiger King TV series due to scheduling conflicts. The Dark Knight actor William Fickner has been cast as Kirkham in Quaid's place. Oh my goodness, what a twist. I feel like no one cares about Tiger King anymore. You missed your chance. Number five. As Variety reports, the HBO Max original series Made for Love, starring Kristen Milioti, has been officially renewed for a second season. Cool beans. She's in um, that episode Dark Quiet Death in Mythic Quest. She's phenomenal in that. Indeed. Number six. As Variety reports, the Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel Black Panther Wakanda Forever has officially begun production in Atlanta with director Ryan Coogler at the helm. I'm very curious to see what's going on with this, and I'm surprised we haven't heard more about it considering production is beginning. I would have assumed we would have heard what they were planning on doing with the whole Chadwick Boseman situation, rest his, rest his soul. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, but I'd rather, I mean, get the surprise. Kevin Feige mm-hmm. said that their their goal was to make Chadwick Boseman proud. That the idea was yeah. to honor his, his memory. That's great. 
Number seven, as reported by Variety, the Americans actor Carrie Russell, Just Mercy actor O'Shea Jackson, and Goodfellas actor Ray Liotta have each been cast in the upcoming Elizabeth Banks directed comedy Cocaine Bear. Honestly, that is like the coolest name for a movie. I know it's based on a true story as well. I'm, I'm quite excited to see this movie. I feel like it's going to be a fun time. Number eight, as Variety notes, the comedy movie following an epic couponer turned criminal, Queen Pins, which is set to reunite the Good Place stars Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell Baptiste, while also starring Vince Vaughn and Joel McHale will launch in theaters in the fall of 2021. Oh, that's this year, Simon. That's this year. Indeed. Number nine. According to Variety, Pieces of a Woman actor Vanessa Kirby has been cast in the father director Florian Zeller's upcoming film, The Sun. The Sun will also feature marriage story actor Laura Dern and prisoners actor Hugh Jackman. I wonder if this this Florian Zeller guy is going to make a movie called The Mother after this one and then The Daughter, maybe The Cousin. And be the grandfather. You think he's just going to keep on this trend? It's possible. It's possible. Hmm. Number 10. As Deadline reports, that Kevin Costner starring network ABC drama series The National Parks Investigation that we talked about on the montage weeks ago will not in fact be a part of this year's ABC TV series lineup and may actually be passed on altogether due to the pilot being a little too lackluster for ABC's executives. Oh, that's unfortunate in that case. Indeed. And that concludes the montage. Wow, they're still going to make a Powerpuff Girls series, which is crazy. Yeah, not ABC, but yeah, in general, that's yeah. being made. Yeah, it's nuts. CW. They got a low bar for quality. <laughs> a little bit, maybe a little bit. You know what? Um, what? You know what I heard? That Superman and Lois series is apparently really good. Yeah. I'm tempted to watch it. I know that it's on CW, but what I keep hearing is people saying, I am surprised that this is on the CW because it is really good. So so because I've heard that as like a compliment, I'm tempted to watch it. I'm tempted to watch it. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I have heard some good things too. I don't know if I'm tempted to watch it, but but yeah, it's, yeah, it could be good. It could be good. Yeah. Fun fact. The uh, actor that plays Superman in that show. Uh, he goes by the name of Tyler Hoechlin or something like that. I forget how you pronounce his last name. It's H-O-E-C-H-L-I-N. He is the voice of Sephiroth in the Final Fantasy VII Remake video game. Oh, cool. That's neat. Yeah. Yeah. Again, video game. We're just tying this episode back to video game movies and TV. Year two. This is now a film, TV, and video game podcast. I'm just kidding. It's not. We could easily, we could easily transition that, but we're not doing that. No. Just, so just do, a, you know, appease your mind, there, listener. We can barely keep all the just film and TV show news, you know, in one episode. If we had video games in it. This is going to be hectic. It's going to be stressful. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you got for me, Adrian? What do you got? Well, I got new releases for you, Simon. Exciting, exciting stuff. Yeah. There's not much coming out this week. This is for the week of July 5th to July the 11th. That's a Monday to a Sunday as we regularly do it on this show. Um, And the first movie coming out this week that I could find is uh, coming out on Wednesday, July 7th. And the movie is called Major Grom Plague Doctor. Okay. This is a Netflix original. Yeah, no, weird name, eh? Like, I don't really know what it's about. But anyways, this is a Netflix original movie about a detective and a rookie that go on a mission to stop a masked vigilante's killing spree. Ooh. Yeah. I'm curious. Like, is this based on, like, a comic book or something? I didn't didn't do my research, but Major Grom Plague Doctor just seems like a a comic book name. Yeah. Why would you name your movie that? Yeah, I don't have any context. Not sure. 
Not sure on that one. I mean, anyways, these next movies are all coming out on Friday, July the 9th. The first movie that is coming out is uh, Fear Street Part 2, 1978. I already mentioned this. This is the now the, I guess, sequel slash prequel to Fear Street Part 1, 1994. It's coming out on Netflix. I'm super excited to watch this. I really love Fear Street. It's great. It's great stuff. I highly recommend it. Watch that first one. Just do it, Simon. You got time. You got time. Do it. Whoa. It's aggressive. Okay, cool. How I Became a Superhero is the next movie coming out, and this is another Netflix original movie. And this is literally the plot of Project Power, but in French. Hmm. I'm not joking. Like, it is sure. quite literally the exact same plot. Okay. Yeah. It's actually in French? Like, it's, it's yeah. a French language film? Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Super weird. Anyways, next movie that's coming out is a movie called Last Summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And this is a Netflix original movie. And it's about a 16-year-old girl who tries to navigate through a love triangle during a vacation in a seaside town. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The next movie on this list is a movie called Meander. And this is confirmed by the most reliable source on the internet, m.the-numbers.com and the Apple TV app. This is a video-on-demand movie. And it's about a woman who must face the memories of her dead daughter while trying to escape a trap that she was placed in by a mysterious man. Oh. Wow. Oh. Uh, yeah, it reminds me of Saw a bit, just like that description, but the description that I wrote based on the description that I read. Right. I understood. And then the final movie that is coming out this week and why I assume not many movies are coming out is uh black widow and that's coming out into theaters as well as Disney plus as a premier access title. And, um, I'm disappointed. I won't be able to watch it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's yeah. It's quite disappointing. But although I think Ontario is going to open up at that, like, I mean, in the beginning of August. So it's not impossible. It's, it's, it's coming. We, we're going to be able to watch it. It's going to be probably the first movie I go watch. I'm not buying it on mm-hmm. Premier Access. I think Me neither. Any, anyone who listens to the show would realize that obviously I'm not going to buy it on Premier Access. But yeah, I'm not a fan. Dude, I'm not a fan of paying $35 above my Disney Plus subscription. So Yeah. I'm not a fan of not paying any money on top of not my subscription. Right, because you don't pay for your subscription. No. Yeah. I leech off you and my lover. Yeah, it's not the same as going to the movie theaters and getting that big sound, big screen, and, and a bog mm. of, bag of popcorn. Bog. A bog of popcorn. A bag yeah. of popcorn for the less money, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Paying less. Dude, dude, once theaters reopen, I'm literally going like every single night for like a week straight. We could, depending on what the – hopefully Cineplex is on this because there's so, going to be so many summer movies – like, uh, the, what's great is that it's going to open up just prior, theoretically, again, hopefully based upon um, the number of vaccinations we, we, we uh, as a, a nation, give out and whether the Delta variant is going to be like a plague. Hopefully Let's not that's talk not about the that. Case. But God damn it. Hopefully then we'll be able to open up just prior to as well Suicide Squad. Like the Suicide Squad's coming out just like mid-August or whatever. And I'm, I'm so excited for that. So Me too. Yeah. Yeah, there's just like so many movies I want to catch up on. Like, uh, I want to watch In the Heights really bad. A yeah, Quiet Place cool. Part Two. I really want right. to watch. So my point was, hopefully, Cineplex is like smart. They just put them all. They're like, this is every single movie. Hopefully, they don't just fill all the movie theaters with Black Widow because I, w- I want to watch Black Widow, but like, just have A Quiet Place still in there because Quiet Place is months ago. Like, yeah, at this point, or like at least at that point, it will have been months ago. So like they hope, I hope they keep like at least one theater running these movies. Cause it w- again, I will go every night as well. Potentially that would be awesome. Yeah. I also still want to watch that mortal Kombat movie, even though it wasn't rated well, it just looks that like a one, fun, dumb time. 
I wonder if that one will be in theaters, but we'll see. Yeah. What a bummer. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got for you. That's all the movies. Bada boom, bada bing, we're done. Well done. Well then, Adrian, let's reach back into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? As mentioned at the top of our show, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of Twitter or by email to specifically at splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. I don't know why I said at the email address is splitfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Chap and Snap wrote into us and they said, have you heard of chicken pox parties? That's all. That's the question. Signed, Chap and Snap. No. Yeah, neither have, have, have I. It's, uh, anyways, this is a, this is my girlfriend. I'm going to do a quick Google. This is my girlfriend. <laughs> okay. My girlfriend is Chap and Snap. I'm just going to reveal that. She thought, you know, come up with the stupidest name possible. And here it is. Uh, and uh, so, okay, chicken pox parties. She was telling me about how that exists. And I was like, I had never heard of that before. And she's like, there's guaranteed that's a thing people i think i think she even went as far as to say adrian has definitely heard of chicken pox parties and i was like if i have no i've forgotten about it yeah yeah like i don't yeah so what it is basically is to create immunity because you don't want to get shingles when you're older you have all somebody with chicken pox and then you have it spread around on purpose so you can get chicken pox so you don't get shingles because shingles is worse so as a child you get chicken pox because chicken pox is bad but if you get the, they're just basically itchy. So that's it. You just get chicken pox, you get it over with, and then you don't have it later in life, which is way worse. So that's kind of the idea. But I hadn't heard of it. Like that was an explanation from her. Did you Google mm. it? Did you get anything from that? Yeah. Uh, a so-called chicken pox party is when parents intentionally expose their unvaccinated children to others who have a high, who have the highly contagious chicken pox right. disease. Yeah. Whatever that one is. I'm not... Uh, Virus. Yeah, my family did not do this, and nobody talked about this that I recall, so... That's absolutely bananas. Imagine doing that. Yeah, vaccinate your kids, first of all. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's a that's a solution to that. But chicken box is not one of those things that I feel like... No, I don't think that many kids get vaccinations for that. I think there's like the other no. really... Because that's not really... That, that disease is... I mean, a disease. Is that a disease? Like, it's not that serious. In regard yeah, to- I had chicken pox. Like, smallpox and things like that. That's where you're really in trouble. Like, measles. So you don't want to get that. So that's where vaccinations are wickedly important. There's no question about that. I feel like we're not arguing yeah. any anything against that. But I just think yeah, that- Yeah, man. And neither is my girlfriend, by the way. We're not anti-vaxxers, just to be clear. Um, yeah, you're a but, doctor. It'd be weird if you were. I'm not a doctor. Um, so, so we're clear. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I don't want any any conception out there, listener, that I'm a doctor. I don't know why Adrian says this every episode, but he does. He does. So I'm not a doctor. And okay, yeah, that's 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 it, really. That's that. That was your question. <laughs> yeah, what a great way to end the show. <laughs> we addressed it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Chicken box parties, exciting times. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Adrian, for joining me. Do you have anything to add before we wrap this baby up? Uh, no, not really. Not really. I'm pretty hungry. I um before the show, I ordered a scheduled delivery, Simon. Oh yeah, through Uber Eats. Did it get there yet? It did. Oh, what'd you order? When I let my dog in, I also uh, brought in my food. I ordered filthy fillies. You ever have filthy oh. fillies? I have had it before. Yeah, it was it was okay. I wasn't I was never blown away by it. Do you like it? I am a huge fan of filthy fillies. I'm on a filthy fillies kick. Well, you gotta send me your order, and I gotta try that order. And then we'll go I've from tried, there. 
I, I've been just trying every cheesesteak sandwich they have on the menu. I just I just went down the list. I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one. I'm gonna try this one. I'm gonna try this one. Um, and they're all really good. They're really good. That's great. I I just curious what you added to it because you can add things and stuff like that. And I like I, I I am not just to be clear. I don't know if I've ever said this on the show, but I'm not a big fan of being able to customize things on a sandwich or anything really. I actually prefer like. I don't like Harvey's because they asked me to make my own hamburger. I want you to tell me what you believe based on the hamburger meat you have and you create as a restaurant, what the best combination is. I do not mm. like Subway. Subway's my least favorite, but I love Jersey Mike's because Jersey Mike's is like, do you want it Mike's way? And I'm like, yeah, I want it Mike's way. That's exactly what yeah, I want. Me too. I want it that way because that's the correct way. Everything else is made up. And I would say it sometimes. Did I, have I said this on this podcast? I would go to a Subway restaurant and I would look at the picture and I'd be like, I want what's on there. And I've done this twice at two different Subways. And they bo- both times, the person behind the counter is like, you want, you want what's on what? And I'm like, on the picture. Like, That's what those are the toppings I want. And they're like, they look at me like I'm insane. And this is before <laughs> masks. They look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like, that's not, is that that crazy? Like, I just want I it to be the way the director intended it, Adrian. The way the director intended it. That's what I want. Fair enough. I think you are a little bit crazy for asking that at a subway. I genuinely think you are. I, th- I think that's bananas. Well, I stopped doing that. I I've been to so. subway many times. I never do that anymore. Uh, yeah. Because I, I thought I thought the first time, I'm like, okay, this, these guys just started here. So they don't know what's on the picture. And then the second time, I was like, this is not a good question to ask. I'm never going to do that mm-hmm. again. But anyways, my point yeah. is, I like places like the works that you buy, you get a, you get a burger that potentially has peanut butter on it, but they specifically have the toppings that go hand in hand with peanut butter. It's not like they just mm-hmm. give you the option to put peanut butter on it. You could add toppings, but I never do that because that's just not the way I would eat. So you don't like five guys? I do like it, but I prefer not that option. I just don't mm-hmm. want to choose. Just tell me what's great. To have the reason I like Five Guys, by the way, just to be clear, Five Guys Burgers is because of the fries. The fact that they give you so many fries, it's just very generous. There's the idea of frying them in peanut oil as well. There's something unique about that. So yes, it's okay. Like yeah, Five Guys is okay because like the burger's pretty. It's not. I mean, it's not the it's not the Works Burger or Burgers Priest, and that those are pretty premium patties. Arguably, it's more premium than McDonald's. But I mean, you know what no, I mean. Five Guys just uses like regular meat, man. They, they it's Smash Burgers. Yes. It's just not, it's nothing that special, if you know what I mean. Like compared mm. to the works, I feel like the works burgers are a cut above is what I would say. But yeah, I gotta be in, it depends on the day. It depends on the day. Sometimes I like a good smash burger. Sometimes I like a good, you know, thick, juicy grilled burger. And uh, yeah, it really depends on the day for me, man. But does that make sense though? The, the, that preference of wanting what the director intends. I just think that that's. Like, I, I don't want to make my own food. If I was going to do that, I'd just yeah. go to the store and buy cold cuts. Yeah, fair enough. Let me just go, let me just go grab it and make, my, make it myself. No, I want to, I want it to eat out because I want to have a good flavor in my mouth. I don't want to guess at what I would like to have on it. I can easily make a sandwich. Sandwiches are not that hard to make. Like, I'll just make one. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Interesting. Yeah. I know what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. I don't fully agree with you, but I get where you're coming from. So, my, my point is... Philly Phillies, do you customize or you just get what's on? Is there like a, is there a set options? And if so, there's set options or if you choose, let me know what your combo is and I, I should I should order the one you think is the best and then I can give a fair sure. representation of what I believe Damn. Filthy Phillies to be because it's never been amazing enough for me to say, oh, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, again, the, every sandwich has the like base stuff that they put on it, and then you can just add to it. Right. So like yes. the one I ordered right now is like a, it's like a, like it's a, it's a cheesesteak sandwich with um, sour cream, salsa, jalapenos and, and cheese. You built that or that was an option? No, no, that was the main option. Okay, and then I added crispy onions. Okay, cool. Yeah. And tomato and pickle. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm holding you up from eating your food and I think the the audience legitimately is here to listen to us talk about film and TV. So I think we should wrap this baby up. What do you think? Let's wrap it up, baby. Let's Just like they wrapped it. up my amazing filthy Philly sandwich at Filthy Phil's Lee's. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to the 53rd episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I, Adrian Pinter, and I am going to sign off. And uh, although I am quite disappointed that I won't be able to watch Black Widow in theaters you know, at, at, the, at the release time, I am glad that I did get to watch Batman v Superman when it released in theaters because that movie's great. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Batman v Superman is a good movie. Thank you very much. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. I also ordered a buffalo chicken poutine as well to go along with it. My sandwich. But I'll I'll message you a good sandwich.